we say thank you to Dr. Robin and, um, and of course our worship team. I am so thankful for our worship team. Thank you, Grayson, for being on the keys and of course Glenn and the rest of the team. Thank you for being volunteers and doing what you do. Uh, if you have been here for the past couple of weeks, I haven't. I was gone for a little while. Uh, Heidi and I were doing some training in Israel. So if you've ever been to Israel, there is a lot to learn there, and that is the Holy Land. And if you know a little bit about Israel, you know that's where Jesus walked. And so if you look at what God is doing today, not just in our church, but even around the world, God is still in control. He is still doing what he has always been doing from day one, and that's loving you and I constantly. He never gives that up. He will always love us. He will always continue to usher us forward. In fact, this Sunday, we're going to be starting a series. It's a two-part series called Discover New Hope, and that's a part of understanding the heart and vision of our church. And so when you come here on Sunday, it'll, you're going to have a booklet, and uh, it's going to kind of help you run through everything that we're going to be talking about in the two weeks that we'll be with Discover New Hope. Uh, it's also good for those of you who are new that have just begun attending the church, that you can learn kind of the heart behind why we do what we do, uh, and at the same time get a better understanding of the direction that we're going to head into. So that is going to be this Sunday uh, for two weeks. Also this Sunday, because of Veterans Day weekend, uh, if you're a veteran, then uh, we're going to treat you to a breakfast come Sunday morning. So if you know anyone who is, invite them to church on Sunday uh, because we're not only going to discover new hope as a church, we're going to discover new hope in Jesus Christ. And so that's part of how we're going to be doing our membership here at our church. Some of you have been attending for a while and you're asking, how do I become a member of the church? Well, this Sunday you're going to hear how you can do that and make that possible. Uh, also, I just want to uh, give a heads up on what Heidi and I were doing we were traveling with uh, Pastor Fernando Castillo, who is our district supervisor for the Pacific Southwest District, which includes the state of Hawaii, which we have about 54 four-square churches, 52 four-square churches, and uh, in Nevada, Utah, Southern California, Arizona, uh, collectively, we have 221 churches altogether. So he's our district supervisor who oversees that area, Pacific Southwest District. So he asked us to go to Disneyland so we can learn a lot about the Bible. Dis did I say Disneyland? <laughs> I, told, I told Heidi, I said, Israel is like our Disneyland, but Holy Land. So that's pretty cool that kind of, eh, yeah, whatever. So when, when we, <laughs> I should send this to Fernando. He's going to be like, yeah, it is. So uh, while, we're in, while we were in Israel, uh, the one thing that we noticed is that it's not what you see on TV. It is definitely not what you watch on TV. Like we were walking around and I marveled at the things that were taking place. I, you know, when you, when you watch TV, you see the news and you see all the dangerous things that are happening. Israel is one of the most safest places on this earth. Safer than probably America. While we were walking around, you just feel so safe, and probably because the hand of God is on that nation. Yes, God blesses America, but God gave his promise to Israel. And if you read throughout the Bible, God's promise never changed. It continued on. And so while we're there, we just constantly marveled at the things of God. We marveled at how, not just how the Bible 
shows us how Jesus walked this earth. Not only has the Bible shown, shown us the prophets of old and, and all the different cities that still are there today, but it also allowed us to see that everything that is there lines up with the Bible, not just with what is happening, but with archaeological digs, when they dig things up. It, it lines up perfectly with the Bible. So there are some people who are skeptical about the Bible, but if you were to line everything up with all the archaeological artifacts as well as where certain cities are, you, there's no way you're going to be able to doubt God nor his word because everything lines up. While we were there, I marveled at how expensive ice cream can be in the desert. And I think the guy knew I was desperate for ice cream. They had one of these little kiosks, and we were, I believe it was in, it was in Megiddo, uh, one on the coastlines. And while we were walking there, I, like, I love ice cream. I crave ice cream. And so I see this little kiosk, and I'm thinking, no way. They have ice cream here out in the desert area. So I walk up to the guy, and I said, hey, how much, how much is the ice cream? And so he said how many shekels they were because they, they, their economic system or their, their mon money is shekels. So he told me how many shekels. And I said, how many American dollars? And he looked at my face. He went, ah, uh, you, six dollar. I said, what? He said, yeah, six dollars. Another place that I went to, it was only three dollars. So I think they were on to me. I probably ate <laughs> Heidi's laughing because she knows where I'm going with this. I probably ate four ice creams a day. What? That's a, that's a little bit. What do you mean? That's like a little. Only four. I thought you were going to be proud of me. I thought you were going to say, oh, that good boy, good job. I guess not. But there's tiny little popsicles. They weren't that bad. But it's hot in the desert. But everywhere we went, we just, we looked at where Jesus walked. We were where the disciples were. We, we even went where the prophets were, where Jeremiah went, King David, all those places. And we marveled at the things of God. And you know what I've learned? Not just being in Israel, but even being in the word of God is this. We have a marvelous God. Isn't he so good? Even when bad things happen, God is still good. Even when things don't go our way, God is still marvelous. See, I think we tend to view God from a human perspective because things that happen inside of us happen because our emotions get attached to it. And so we tend to view God from an emotional standpoint rather than a spiritual standpoint. And so when we stand before God, we're dealing with all of our emotions. And, and by the time we get to God, whether we're angry, frustrated, depressed, or saddened, we tend to forget that God is still a marvelous God. The Bible gives us some scriptures that helps us to understand why God is so marvelous. If you do have your Bibles, you can turn to the book of Chronicles. First Chronicles, this is in the Old Testament, chapter 16, and we're going to be in verse 24. First Chronicles, chapter 16, verse 24. And you can keep your place there. But First Chronicles, chapter 16, 24, kind of highlights who God is and, and what he does and, and how marvelous he is. Now, in, in this series that we've been doing, it's a three-week series that we're talking about this marvelous God. I want us to understand that not only is he a marvelous God, but he is a marvelous creator. He creates things so well. Just think about how God created you and I, how, how 
intricately woven we are and how detailed he is in how he created us. He's just that good of a creator. See, there is nothing higher than God, no one greater than he is. This is why the authors of the Bible declare that God does marvelous things. He only has and has ever done marvelous things and only can do marvelous things because he's a marvelous creator. And you and I were created by this marvelous God. This word marvelous in the dictionary means astonishing, miraculous, supernatural, of the highest kind or quality, or to do something wonderful. That's what marvelous means. I came across this article, and I wanted to read it to you. It's, it's maybe about a minute and a half, but it reads like this. I grew up in New York City during the Depression. My earliest recollections were of my parents talking about what they would do if they didn't have the rent money. Luckily, we were never evicted, but my father was unemployed most of the time. He had been a dress cutter, and during the Depression, there wasn't much need for dress cutters. So I started working when I was still in high school. I was an office boy. I was an usher. I wrote obituaries for celebrities while they were still alive. Lots of jobs. My mother was the greatest mother in the world. She thought I was the greatest thing on two feet. I'd come home with a little composition I had written at school, and she'd look at it and say, it's wonderful. You're another Shakespeare. I always assumed I could do anything. It really is amazing how much that has to do with your attitude. Well, my cousin's husband, Martin Goodman, had a company called Timely Publications, and they were looking for an assistant. I figured, why not? Well, when I got there, I found out that the opening was in the comic book department. Apparently, I was the only guy who had applied for the job. I figured it might be fun. So I, I became a gopher. There were only two guys, Joe Simon, the editor, and Jack Kirby, the artist. They were the creators of Captain America, and that's what they were working on at the time. I would fill the inkwells, go down and buy lunch, and erase pages and proofread. Then they were fired for some reason. Well, Martin had no one to run the department. So he said to me, can you do it? I was 17 years old. And when you're 17, what do you know? So I said, sure, I can do it. Well, by the time I got the job, Superman had been created. We had the Human Torch, the Submariner, Father Time, Hurricane. The most important thing in those days was the cover. All these books were on the newsstand, and you had hoped your cover would compel somebody to buy the book, and everything depended on the name. Well, a character like Hurricane was a guy who ran very fast. Later on, when I was looking for new superheroes, it occurred to me that somebody crawling on walls would be interesting. I thought of Mosquito Man, but it didn't sound very glamorous. Fly Man. I went down the list and came to Spider-Man. That was it. After about 20 years on the job, I said to my wife, I, I don't think I'm getting anywhere. I, I think I'd like to quit. She gave me the best piece of advice in the world. She said, why not write one book 
the way you'd like to instead of the way Martin wants you to. Get it out of your system because the worst thing that will happen is he'll fire you. But you want to quit anyway. Well, at the time, DC Comics had a book called The Justice League about a group of superheroes that was selling very well. So in 1961, we did the Fantastic Four. I tried to make the characters different in the sense that they had real emotions and real problems. And it caught on. After that, Martin asked me to come up with some other superheroes, and that's when I did the X-Men and the Hulk. And we stopped being a company that imitated others. In the 1960s, we realized we were on to something. I figured we needed a new name because we were not the same company we had been. I remember the first book Martin published when I started there was called Marvel Comics. Why don't we call the company Marvel? Well, this young teenage boy who grew up in his career in comics who is now 86 years old, some 75 years later, or 70-some years later, produces some of the greatest blockbuster movies like Thor, Iron Man, Guardians of the Galaxy, and Avengers. His name is Stan Lee. Stan Lee began just as a gopher, doing whatever needed to be done. But Stan Lee has spent more than seven decades focused on one single task, inventing and creating superheroes. There's something that God has been doing from the beginning of time, and he is creating superheroes. God constantly creates, God constantly looks at us and, and helps us to become everything that he sees us to be, because in the beginning, we might look like a rough draft. Maybe for some of us right now, we have some, some lines that have been skewed or maybe some components of our hearts that are broken, maybe some errors in life that have been erased or maybe something that we may not like in our life. But God is still creating deep within every single one of us the ability to do something super for him. See, he's our marvelous creator. That's what he does. This man, Stan Lee, created movies. In fact, we have some of them, some just pictures like Spider-Man or Daredevil, Hulk, Fantastic Four, Fantastic Four, Rise of the Silver Surfer, Iron Man, The Amazing Spider-Man, Iron Man 3, The Amazing Spider-Man 2, Avengers Age of Ultron, Ant-Man, Captain America Civil War, X-Men Apocalypse, and Guardians 2, Guardians of the Galaxy. Think of all these movies that this man is a part of. Stan Lee is like the father of Marvel. He is just that creative and has created characters that span the test of time all over the globe. And every single character is created, just like every single person is created. And here's what we have in common with Marvel characters. We both have a creator. I think you were thinking, yeah, I am super. You are, you are, but we both have a creator. First Chronicles chapter 16 Verse 24 tells us this, declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous deeds among all peoples. In other words, what the Bible is telling us is that God does wonderful 
and marvelous deeds. He continues to do wonderful things. So instead of us just kind of weighing on if my emotions are there, then God is marvelous. And if my emotions are not, then God is not. Or if things are happening in the world that are going well, then God is good. And if things don't go well, then God is not good. Instead of weighing it on that, how about we just go back to God and who he is, being a marvelous God, doing marvelous deeds, because everything that he does is marvelous. We may not understand it, but he is our, he is our marvelous creator, and he is the father of us all. Job chapter 37 verse 5 says that God, God's voice thunders in marvelous ways. He does great things beyond our understanding. Like we can't even understand the things of God. He does great things and he does marvelous things. King David, he wrote in Psalm chapter 71, verse 17, he writes this, Since my youth, God, you have taught me, and to this day I declare your marvelous deeds. This is King David. He's in his later years, but in his early years as a teenage boy, he found the Lord. Not just finding the Lord, but found his calling in God. Been anointed by God to be the next king of Israel after King Saul. But he recognized God as his God, and people recognized him as not just the one who slayed the giant, because that's what he's mostly known for, right? David and Goliath. But what he's recognized in the Bible for, in the book of Acts, is David is a man after God's own heart. So let me ask you this question tonight. What are you doing to declare God's marvelous deeds that people would see and say, that person is a man or a woman after God's own heart. Like, how would they recognize us? Because you can recognize a superhero by their costume. If there's a big S on the front, who is that? Oh, <laughs> yeah, Superman. If there's a spider on it, then it's right. So you can recognize them by what they look like. And God is saying, your costume is how you represent me, that people would see your deeds, your good works, and then glorify me in heaven. But that's who David was recognized as, a man after God's own heart. While we were in Israel, we were between the two cliffs, the two mountains that came down near the valley, and there was a brook where a stream would go through when it's in the rainy season. And that was the, that was the valley of Elah where David defeated Goliath. So we're standing in the middle of this valley, just looking at the hills where Goliath was taunting the army of Israel. And in the, this brook, you have all these stones in it. And the reason why they were smooth stones is because that's where the river would run through. Just like when you go to Honolii, you see all the river rocks, they're all smooth. Why? Because the water smooths it out. And so what David did is he went down to the brook and he grabbed these rocks. And this, they say this is about the size that David used to defeat Goliath when he put this rock in the sling and then he slung that stone in Goliath's head. And Goliath fell. I, they let me take this from Israel. I didn't steal. I asked them if I could and they said yes. This rock not only represented David and his defeat in Goliath, but that one rock represented people looking to him as their soon coming next king. That he was that marvelous to them. 
that they saw him as someone who was going to do well for the nation of Israel, and he did. He is the most venerated king to this day in Israel. You see, David saw his God as a marvelous God, regardless of what he went through, even since the days of his youth. And because he saw God as his, as his marvelous creator, he knew that there was more in him than other people could ever recognize. In the book of Psalms, chapter 98, verse 1, in fact, Psalm is, is kind of like the prayer book of Jesus Christ. Psalm 98, 1 says, Sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him. It continues later on in Psalm 118, verses 22 and 23, that the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. The Lord has done this, and it is marvelous in our eyes. God does marvelous things. Did you know that right now in your family, in your life, with your children, your parents, your siblings, your loved ones, people you may uh, be acquainted with even at work, that God is doing a marvelous thing through you. You may not recognize it, you may not feel it, you may not see it, but God is doing something marvelous through you. And you might be thinking, yeah, but I'm going through this, I did this bad thing, I did this wrong thing. It doesn't change how marvelous God is. Your behavior and my behavior never changes God's. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Yeah, but what if I'm really, really bad? Then God is still really, really good. But what if I reject God? He never leaves you. He never forsakes you. Yeah, but what if I've done something wrong and no one knows about it? God does, and he still forgives you. You see, there's something marvelous about God that we cannot understand because we tend to view God as we view each other, as human beings, because that's who we see, that's who we connect with. This is why God sent his one and only son, Jesus Christ, so that we would be able to relate to God. God being all God but all man came to this earth so that we would understand the heart of God, so that we could be people who are recognized as men and women after God's own heart. See, if there's something that you want to learn tonight, it's going to be simple. I just want to give you one key point tonight, and it is this, very simple. Be marvelous. Just be marvelous. I don't know how to be marvelous. Follow God because he's a marvelous God. If you want to know what marvelous looks like, go to God. Follow him. That's why Jesus said it simply, come follow me. Why? Because that was, that was our introduction to who God is. So when Jesus walked this earth, we could visibly see God. So if you ever want to know how marvelous you can be, open the scriptures, get into the word of God, and follow him. Learn about Jesus Christ because you're going to learn how marvelous you can be. As a father, maybe you're kind of slipping and you, you're not as, as, as marvelous as you would hope to be. Follow God and you watch what he does through you as a father. Maybe as a mother, you're saying, boy, I'm struggling with this and that. Follow God and you watch what he does through you. A marvelous God can do wonders through you and I. Maybe you're struggling with, with uh, the, the season you're in. Uh, maybe a relationship of some kind or financially. Something is happening and you're wondering, I don't know how to do this. But God says, no, you follow me and you see how marvelous I can be. Because I am simply a marvelous God. 
He's just that good that sometimes we tend to forget because we see one another. In Psalm 139, verses 13 through 18, the Bible tells us this, you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works and that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed and in your book they are all written. The days fashioned for me when as yet there was none of them. How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God. How great is the sum of them. If I should count them, they would be more in number than the sand. When I awake, I am still with you. See, that, that word marvelous means to be marvelous. It's not just a wonder that we see like, wow, that's, that's marvelous. No, it's to be marvelous, to be wonderful, to be surpassing, to be extraordinary. You're separated by distinguishing action. In other words, you behave differently than that of the world. You're different. You, 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 it's to be marvelous, to be wonderful. It's not just to do wonderful things. That's why we're called human beings, not human doings. We're not defined by what we do. We're defined by who we are in Christ. But that you can be marvelous in Him in such a way that people marvel at the things of God. Did you know that no matter where you go or what you do or how well you think you are or, or, or how well you think you're doing in life, that God is still there with you? Now, I want to show these pictures again because it's, it's, uh, it's something that probably some of you caught. But this is Stan Lee on the left. He's in the movie Spider-Man, the 2002 version. The next movie, this is Daredevil. Stan Lee is in it again. The next movie, Hulk, 2003. That's Stan Lee. Fantastic Four, 2005. There he is again as a mailman. The next one, Fantastic Four, Rise of the Silver Surfer, 2007. There he is again. Iron Man 2, 2010. There he is. The Amazing Spider-Man, 2012. There he is. In the movie, Iron Man 3, 2013, there he is again. Amazing Spider-Man 2, 2014, there are like 18 Spider-Mans. Avengers, Age of Ultron, 2015, he's in that movie again. Ant-Man, 2015. Captain America, Civil War, 2016, as a FedEx driver. X-Men Apocalypse, 2016. Guardians of the Galaxy. 2017. He's in a lot of those movies. Now, if you don't know who Stanley is or if you've never seen his face before, you would never recognize him in any movie. He would be on the screen and he would come and go and you wouldn't even recognize him. But here's what's interesting about Stanley being the creator of many of these characters. He still loves what he does. Even though at his age, 86 years old, he still loves what he does. He's still inventing and creating. Now, here's what's neat about God. If you don't know God or recognize him, he can come and go and you won't even notice. He'll, he'll come into your life and try to help you with something, but if you don't know his voice, you won't even recognize him. 
But if you do recognize him, you will recognize him as a marvelous God. How do you get to know God? Get in his word. Get in his word. This is what God sounds like. Sounds exactly like his word. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. If you watch the life of Jesus, you're watching God in action. And when you watch the life of Jesus and you model life after him, you're going to see a marvelous God in action through you and I. That's the only way you and I can be marvelous, is if this marvelous God dwells in you and I. He created us. Marvelous are your works. Our soul knows that very well. And just as Stan Lee is a part of the Marvel movies, so too is God a part of your life. He is always there, always willing, as a marvelous God would be. Now just think about all that you and I learn about God. There are times when we will doubt. There are times where we're going to feel like he's distant. And there are going to be times where we're going to feel like he's not even there. Can I encourage you to do this? To press into God when you feel that he's nowhere around. Because it might very well be that God is ushering you into another level of living. That because you may not see that you're close to him, it could very well be that he's strengthening you. That he's, he's, he's doing something in you so that you can become even more and more the image that he created you to be. That's the only way we can be marvelous. And watch what God does because he is that marvelous of a God. That's why the Bible continuously says time and time again, watch his marvelous deeds. Continue to talk about his marvelous deeds. Continue to seek him because he is that marvelous of a God. When we read Psalm 139, verses 13 through 18, that he formed our inward parts, that he covered us in our, mother, our mother's womb, that we praise him for we are fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works. I think for all of us, when we hear that scripture, it does something to us. It's almost like God speaking one more time into our soul to say, don't forget who you are. And don't forget what I can do through you. Don't ever be misled by the things of the world. Always be led by the things of God because the world will take us further and further away from God, but God will always draw us near to him. What I'm going to do tonight is I'm going to pray. I'm going to ask Grayson to come to the keyboard, and we're just going to take some time to pray. And part of tonight is I, I really want to prepare us for the, not just the holiday, holiday season, but also for what God is going to be doing in and through all of us as the church. You know, I, I think we we're gone maybe 12 days which will include, I think, maybe two or three Sundays uh, or two Sundays and uh, some Wednesday nights. But one thing I did recognize, and which I am thankful for, is that this church is not built on one person. It's built on Jesus Christ and operates as the body of Christ. I'm so thankful for Pastor Ben, Pastor Marcia, those who are speaking while I, in, my, in my absence, because God can speak, and he has called men and women to speak for him. There's pastors and leaders in, this seat, in these seats right now that God is calling you to be marvelous for him. But, but the question is, what sacrifice will I make for God? Will, will I just, just live my life how I want to, or am I going to answer the call that God has for me because he is a marvelous God, he's a marvelous creator, 
and he wants to do something marvelous through each and every one of us. But that's the question we have to ask ourselves. What are we doing? And who are we becoming that people would say, that is a man, that is a woman after God's own heart? You see, we're all called. Many are called. Few are chosen. The reason why few are chosen is because I actually say to God, I don't want to. Maybe we're scared, afraid. Maybe we have doubts. Maybe we say to God, not me. Why would you choose me? But we forget that it's not our superpowers. It's his supernatural spirit in us. It's not on our, our behalf. It is on his. It's not on our merit. It's on his. It's not on our grace. It's on his. It's not on our power. It's on his. So whoever God is calling you to be, don't be afraid. Be marvelous. And as we pray together, let God do that wonderful work in and through every single one of us. Would you bow your heads with me as we pray? Lord, tonight as we take some time just to pray, we first of all thank you for being this marvelous God. We thank you for being our Savior. Thank you for showing us how great you are. And thank you for giving us a way back to you through Jesus Christ. Lord, in this season that we're in, and, and we're all in different seasons, Lord, we would ask that you would do something greater in us. That the only way we can be marvelous is if you dwell in us. And sometimes we push you out by bringing in other things in our lives that are not of you, and it actually ushers you out of our life, but you never leave us. You're still there. May we recognize your voice, Lord, when you call us. May we always recognize you when, when you draw us near to yourself. May we not fight against you, Lord, but cooperate with you. You've called all of us. We pray for our relationships, our marriages. We pray that you, Lord, would be Lord of our relationships, that you would... You would infuse inside of us the love that you have. The kind of love that is not based on a human understanding or a human condition, but it's based on a supernatural love. One that comes from you. We pray for our children. That you would raise them up to follow you. That you would draw them near to yourself. That you would protect them wherever they would go. That they would embrace who you are. And we also pray for our parents, Lord. And for some of us, maybe our parents are not here with us. But we do pray for those who are still here. We pray for their health. We pray that you would constantly protect them, be with them. We pray for our loved ones, especially in this season, going into Christmas, the holiday season. Thanksgiving, we pray that you would protect them wherever they would go, that you would surround them with your army of angels and that you would embrace them and care for them in a, in, in a way that only you can, that they would turn their hearts to you if they have not already. We pray for even those who we work with, those who we may not even get along with, maybe even our acquaintances or, or those we have just recently met. Lord, we pray that you would draw them near to you, and in this season of, of understanding that you came for us, that we 
our heart, Lord, is that we want to partner with you in your attempts to reach our family and friends. And so tonight, Lord, that's our heart. We want to be marvelous, and the only way to do that is to draw near to you, and, and you promise that you would draw near to us. At the same time, Lord, it's your spirit that will dwell in us. It's not our spirit, it's yours. You're just that powerful. You're that good. We trust in you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. We all sit together. Amen. Isn't he a marvelous God? Yes, he is. He is just that good. Now, you might be thinking, wow, we kind of finished church kind of early. I, I just have a, a thing to give you. I know you guys are going to be out here for a little while, but that's okay. Thank you, Matthew. Uh, this Sunday, we're going to start our new series called Discover New Hope. And I, would, I just wanted to take some time right now uh, to reiterate what I was talking about in the beginning. Our church celebrates 36 years this year. 36 years. Uh, some of us were not, were not born. I, I think I was 36, 9. I was, I was 9 years old. But 36 years we celebrate. Some of you just came to know Jesus Christ within the recent maybe a year or two or something. Maybe, maybe in the past 10 years you've been coming to this church. Maybe you just recently came to this church a couple months ago. But this Discover New Hope is really a way for us to give you an opportunity to be a part of a vision that God has given to us here at this church to reach people who are far from Him, one relationship at a time. It's very simple but sometimes complicated to accomplish. That's why we need God. So this Sunday, we're going to go through what we call Discover New Hope for two weeks, and we're going to learn the heart and vision behind our church, but not just the heart and vision behind our church. You're also going to learn where you belong in the church. The church has a, a kind of a bad reputation in our world today. Not this church or a specific church, but church, the idea of church in general. A lot of it is due to social media, what we see on the news, leaders failing, pastors falling. It has a lot to do with that, but we can be the generation that redeems the church for Jesus. We can be the generation that says yes to Jesus, to a calling that the world would never understand, that we partner up with God and redeem what has been broken in our world. And I do admit, yes, there are, there are many reasons why people turn away from Jesus, turn away from God, because of the church. But let's give them a reason to turn to God because of the church. So that when people see our good works, they glorify our Father in heaven. That's what Discover New Hope is all about. It's not about our church. It's about you the church that Jesus said the gates of hell will never prevail against. He's building up the church, not us. He's doing that. And because he's doing that, you watch what he does. So when come this Sunday and you're saying, I want to be a part of the vision, the heart behind what God is doing, what you're saying is I want to be included in a movement that God is doing in our world today, in our city, in our community, that we get to be a part of. Will it be hard work? Will it be difficult? Absolutely, but not as difficult as going to the cross. He paid the ultimate price so we could find lost people 
who are far from him so that they can find hope once again. And he does it through a church. You, the body of Christ. Every member has a part to play. Every member has a role to play. Every person has, has a purpose. But collectively, as the body of Christ, we can do marvelous things because we serve a marvelous God. So please come this Sunday, and it's going to be for two weeks. And then at the end of it, we're actually going to do something together. We're going to sign a card together. And in the book of Nehemiah, that's what they did when they rebuilt the walls of Jerusalem and they once again gathered the church together, the people. They gathered them together. They made some commitments together. And then they affixed their seal to it. And that's what we're going to do. It's, it's kind of like a supernatural contract. And maybe not a contract, maybe more like a covenant. That a supernatural covenant with God saying that we will, in our day and age, in this season of our world, that we're going to stand with Jesus, stand with God, that we're not going to take any more of what the world is throwing our way, but we're going to stand with God because that's what the world needs. It doesn't need a, a better politician. It doesn't need more money. It doesn't need greater inventions. What it needs is the love of God in our world. That's what's missing. It's the love of God. And although we pass laws, the Bible tells us that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control, gentleness. And against such things, there is no law. In other words, it's going to take the Spirit of the living God to do what laws can never do. And He calls all of us to be a part of that. Can you say amen to that?